everyone. Um, welcome back. So this week, this week I'm going to tackle a really tricky topic. I'm going to tackle vaping. Hi everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. And it's one of those things, well, it's, it's in the news all the time now, just because of the dangers of it. It really is a very big problem. And kids are trying this younger and younger. I'm seeing lots of kids in seventh and eighth grade that are trying it, that are already doing it. Um, you know, I won't get into so much of the the health stuff because I really want to talk about how to handle it and what to do. Um, you can do your research on that, but it, it just really is something that's been happening more and more and it's really not good for kids. So let's talk about what to do. So I think in my last podcast, I talked about connection being the antidote to addiction. So what actually helps your children make really good choices, safer choices, better choices, is having a very strong connection to you. So you kind of want to imagine this invisible umbilical cord between the two of you. And if they in general feel really loved, really supported, feel like you get them, feel like you're parenting them, you're being a frontal lobe for them, you are setting limits and meaning what you say and saying what you mean, there's this really healthy balance, um, your children will be much less likely to try uh, dangerous things or try vaping or drugs or anything else for that matter. If you're fighting a lot, if the relationship is strained, if you're angry with them all the time, if they're angry with you all the time, which certainly happens, and don't panic, it doesn't mean your kids are gonna run off, run off and do these things. Um, I'm just talking about how important the connection is. And let's say you drop them off at a party and you've just been fighting and yelling at each other and lecturing or whatever else has gone on, and they walk into that party and someone says, hey, do you wanna try this? If they've just had a big fight with you, they're gonna be much more likely to say, okay, fine. If you've had a really nice um, goodbye and a really beautiful connection and um, just a moment where you felt really close and really loving and then somebody walks up and says, hey, do you wanna try this? They're gonna be much more likely to say, hey, nah, I'm good. Or I'll try a little bit and then I'm gonna stop or I'll try it and not really try it. Um, so that connection is actually really all you've got, especially with your older kids. When your kids are little, you can keep them on your lap. You're, you can go to places with them. Um, when they get older, they're doing these things all on their own and you have to trust that your parenting, that your love, that your connection is going with them. So you kind of want to be the parent that they want to not do these things for, if that makes sense. So what's key and what can really, really help, especially when um, your teenagers are really challenging, is to make sure that you're always connecting before correcting. We like to do it the other way around. <laughs> we like to correct and then we hope for a connection. But often when we start in lecture mode and you know, we're warning them, um, they already tune us out and we've kind of missed a really important opportunity to get our message in there. So there's a couple things I wanna say about adolescence. One is that adolescence is actually not really a developmental stage. It's more of a Western phenomenon. So in most cultures in the world, you're a kid and then you're an apprentice adult. 
So around 13, 14, 15, you are now absorbed into the adult community. You want to impress the adults. You want to be uh, seen as a man. You want to be seen as a woman. Um, kids don't even talk like that anymore, really, in, our, in, in the West, for sure. Um, so what happens is that orientation, that connection to parents, to please the parents, to impress the parents, which is actually really biologically important because kids don't have a fully formed frontal lobe yet. It's kind of on sometimes and then off sometimes. I mean, arguing with a 14-year-old is fairly mind-boggling. It really is. Um, and, and so the, the teenage brain is different. They have many more neurons in the brain. Um, it takes, they get bored much more easily. They downgrade danger. Oh, mom, that's never gonna happen to me. Dad, that's not gonna happen to me. And they, they're not lying. They actually really believe that it's not gonna happen to them. And if you think back about what it was like to be 13, 14, 15, we kind of thought we knew everything too. So the idea is that in, in terms of um, biology is that kids stay oriented to their parents, want to impress and be part of the adult community, but we still have a frontal lobe so we can make decisions that help to keep them safe. And that increases the chances that kids actually grow up healthy and strong and end up with a frontal lobe of their own and then they can do that for their own children. Um, and that connection is actually really part of what keeps that going. But it, I think it was even around the 1950s, I think it was the 1950s that adolescence was actually coined, or, you know, that teenager was actually coined as a phrase. And so what happened is kids used to kind of go to school until maybe grade eight, um, and then they'd work. They'd work with their uncles, their dads, they'd work alongside their aunts and their mothers and, um, and, and really became part of the adult community. And uh, then kids started going to high school. I'm certainly not saying that kids should not go to high school. Of course they should. Um, but what happened was when they started going to high school, they started to orient to each other. And then there was one adult at the front of the room and maybe only for an hour, then you switch to another one. So kids started to really orient to one another. That is now multiplied a million fold with social media, with the access that kids have um, to each other all hours of the day. There's no time anymore for kids to um, reflect on things. They're just absorbed in, in their phones and the pressure that is on kids today is extraordinary. So the downgrading of danger is really important when it comes to things like vaping or talking to your kids about alcohol and drugs. I will do another podcast on that, but I really want to talk about vaping today. Um, so where you're going to have some impact on your kids, even if you, so if you don't think they're doing it at all, fantastic. Do this anyway, because this is what's going to strengthen the bond, protect the bond. So your kids will be less likely to try those things. And most teenagers do experiment. Um, but they'll just do that. They'll just experiment and then that'll be the end of it. Um, or they'll try a little bit and be like, eh, I don't like how I feel. So the connection is huge. The other conversation you want to have with your kids is you want them to use their um, emotions, their feelings as like a GPS system. Feeling, we, we get all crazy about, oh, you shouldn't, you know, feelings are bad. They're not. They're there to indicate things for you. So when you are doing something that you shouldn't be doing there's a kind of pit in your stomach there's a gross feeling of like Ugh, part of me just doesn't feel good about doing this and you'll notice that sometimes if you're gossiping or if you're talking about something you shouldn't be talking about or getting a little joy out of something that you probably shouldn't there's a feeling that, that's like Ugh, it's not great and so you really want to get your kids from the time that they're little but especially if they're at an age where they're um away from you more and they can go and explore and experiment with things you want them to pay attention to those feelings and you want to say you when you try these things or you're around these things 
there's going to be a little part of you that just feels like, I'm not ready for this. I don't, I don't like this. I, I, this doesn't feel good to me. And get them to pay attention to that feeling, to tune into it and to use it as a guidance system. And they can use that and go, you know what, I'm going to go home early or I'm going to go hang out with these kids who aren't doing it. Or maybe I'm not ready. Like, I love when kids say things like, I'm not ready. I don't want to hang out with those kinds of kids. That's, that's not for me. That's wonderful. That's how you know that they're paying attention to that guidance system. So that guidance system is something you want to make them aware of. And you want to talk about your own guidance system. G give them some examples. If you say something that isn't so great or, I don't know, you judge somebody and you're like, you know what, I said that, but that didn't feel great. I felt that feeling again. Ugh, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then don't make it a whole lesson. Don't, don't lecture about it for an hour. Sometimes these punctuated, wonderful little moments that you have, that's where the real learning is. And that's where your kids go away and think, oh, I never thought about it that way before. We make everything too big. Like, just think about dropping these little pedal, pebbles and letting the rings go out. Let, let it have that effect. Um, kids can feel a teaching moment coming. They can feel a lecture coming. And honestly, they don't listen. They listen to the first few sentences and then they're all, and the more they don't listen, the more we keep talking. So have these powerful little moments, maintain that connection, make sure that you're doing stuff with your kids that when they, you know, do come out of their room or they do come off the computer that you're, you know, you're doing a little bit of connecting with them and you're joking around with them and you're catching them being good and you're kind of connecting before you're correcting all of that. Think of that as a layer of paint that just gets thicker and thicker and thicker. And as it does, that is building resilience that is building emotional resilience and organization so they feel like they have a little bit of a thicker skin in the world and and they're a little less likely to care what somebody thinks if they said no to something they just have this internal sense of being so loved and so understood that they don't need to please other people and this is incredibly relevant when we think about drugs as kids get older drinking um you know, sexual choices that kids are making with, uh, with partners. Like we want them to make decisions, um, based on what feels right to them and what feels, uh, honorable for them and what feels, what, what, what really tunes into the, to, to their highest self. And, and that's really going to come from having a very, uh, connected, uh, loving relationship with you. And that doesn't mean you don't get mad sometimes. Of course you do. And you, but you stay in that neutral range right? And it has to be reasonable. You do need to be a frontal lobe. You know that I'm all about that. Um, but especially as a teenager, that connection is really, really important. And, and just because they're teenagers doesn't mean they're not going to respond to baby play. Like tell them how adorable they are. Tell them stories about when they were little. Pull out the baby books. Really get that stuff going. And when and if you find out that your kids have done these things, this is what's really important. If you shut down that conversation by getting angry and threatening and taking a zillion things away, and getting furious and overreacting in a panic, you run the risk of your kids just becoming better liars, just keeping it from you in, in more um, sophisticated ways. You want your child to be able to come to you and tell you the truth. And when they tell you the truth, you'll know what's going on in their lives and you can have really good conversations about what that means. And you can use the calm technique where you um, talk about how hard it is when everybody's doing something and how, you know, you, s you see everybody talking about it or they're all Instagramming about it or whatever is going on in their lives. You can really step into their world and appreciate what it's like to be a teenager and how scary it is to be a teenager and how you just feel like you don't even want to be seen that people are seeing every hair that's out of place and every pimple on your face. And it's so intense and it's so overwhelming, especially in the earlier years in adolescence. 
um, that you really want to keep that relationship very strong so your children can talk to you. So if you do find out that they've done these things um, at least once or twice, I would not freak out and get angry. I would not go right to consequencing. I would say, well, let's see what happens. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to see how you do with this. But if this becomes a pattern again, if this is a behavior that keeps happening, then you're telling me with words that you got this under control and you're not going to do this anymore, but you're showing me with behavior that you are. And that's where I'm going to step in and I'm going to love you enough to be, for you to be mad at me and I'm going to keep you safe, especially with the younger adolescents. I love the line, it's my job to protect your childhood. It's my job to protect your childhood. You don't need to be acting like you're 18 when you're 13. It's my job to protect you from that. So um, love is the drug kids need. Uh, really continuously using these techniques um, in your repertoire. And it's funny, they're not even techniques really. They're, that's much more of a, a philosophy. It's really a way of being and really using this with everyone that you come into uh, contact with in your life. Um, again, I want to remind people that the course is out there. Um, the course is really for people who want to master this. I have a lot of free content out there. I'm, I'm all about having families, um, you know, hearing what, I'm, what I teach and, and trying it right away. If you really want to master it, to get good at it, to, um, to feel like you're getting the support, um, you know, we've helped thousands of families through this. So, you know, knowing ahead of time what the pitfalls are going to be and predicting those ahead of time can be really helpful. Knowing what to be looking for at certain stages is really great. So if you're interested in that, the course is, is online. Uh, but if not, just keep trying. Just use the stuff that I teach you in the podcast and, and really connect with your kids. Um, anyway, I hope that helps. Uh, it can be pretty scary out there these days. And um, love is really all you got. Okay, take care. Hi, I'm Barrett Caleri from Connected Parenting. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. And don't forget to check us out on the web at connectedparenting.com and like us and follow us on Facebook.